Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... As Christians, even how you approach your secular work is supposed to be different. Again, I titled the message Employed by God, and I want you to consider that even in your secular employment, if you do it right, your secular employment can be something you do for the Lord. It should be something that you do for the Lord. You might be working at Toyota. You might be working at Pepsi Cola Company. You can be wherever it is that you work. If you do it right, you can be there for the glory of God. In all things, and specifically in your job today, no matter what you do or where you do it, Pastor Bill says that you should be focused on glorifying God. Have you ever looked at your job that way? Or maybe you think that it's okay to act differently because you need to relate to your peers. Pastor Bill cautions you to watch out for those ideas that suggest anything other than what would be pleasing to God. The volunteer and church work is good, but you need to hold yourself to that same standard at your nine to five. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter three, as he begins his message, employed by God. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to gather with the body of Christ. And God, as we look at this portion of Colossians today, chapter three, verse 22 to chapter four, verse one, God, I pray you would clear up things that need to be cleared up and then that you would teach us the importance of our ministry in the workplace. And so God, I pray you would have your way. You know, everyone here, our background, our life circumstance, and I pray that through the living word, you would speak to our hearts what we need from you today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. So for you guys that have been following along through Colossians with us, in the last few studies, we've been looking at, we've been putting off the old man and putting on the new man, right? So the old man, we talked about all his old junk and his sins and how God says, now that you've been born again, you're to put off. The old man's behaviors, his sin, his sexual sin, his attitudes, his behaviors, his foul mouth, his lying, all that stuff. And then after you finish putting off all the junk, now he says, now put on the new man. Now God gives us new character that he gives us power by his spirit to, to live different in him. And now we had kind of two proven grounds because we dealt with the family. We dealt with the household. So and the household is probably the first proven ground. If you're really doing right. The people that are going to know it first are those that are in your own household. Amen. And if you're not living right, the people that are going to know it first are those who are in your household. Right. You might could go fool everybody at church. Talking about, oh, bless you. God, praise the Lord. But your mom, your people in your house know if you really ain't about that. They're like, nah, that's nah, that's that's not what you were saying before we left home this morning. You know, so home is a proven ground and it's a very important one, even for those that God is raising up for pastoral ministry or service in the church. He says, Hey, home first, first Timothy chapter three, you know, a qualification or disqualification for this ministry that I do is home life. If I'm not doing right at home, I don't belong up here is essentially what it says. And so the home life is a proven ground, but now we're looking at another proven ground, which is the workplace. And arguably, especially in America, a lot of people spend more waking hours in the workplace than they do at home. So a lot of people spend some of the best hours of your day where you're alert, awake and doing. For most people, there's more of that that's spent at work than at home. And so then it becomes very important. What do you act like at work? What do you behave like? 
But before we get to all that, I need to clear up some things because these verses have been used to support the idea of slavery. And some people use these verses to say, see, God was with it. Slavery was okay. You know, God even gave the rules for it. How many guys have heard that or had to, you know, had to debate that? Okay. For the sake of those that I just want to give you an apologetic. I want to give you some tools. If someone says to you, but the Bible says slavery is okay. And they they handpick verses that say slave and master without giving you the teaching or the background. I want to give the background and the understanding so that we're informed of what is and what has not been okayed by God. Because I hate for someone to use the Bible to to emphasize something that that devastating, that negative. So look at verse 22, where we're starting at today. It says, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And your old King James, it'll say slaves. Oh, be obedient or obey your masters in all things. And so these are, this is one of the sections of scripture. People say, look, the Bible says telling us it's, it is true that God said slaves to be obedient. And so let me, let me break down what slavery was to the people that this was written to. These were Christians that were living in the Roman empire. And there's a distinction between the slavery that existed then and what most of us think of. When I think of slavery, I think of African slavery. I think of, you know, the white man coming to Africa, taking black folk, putting us on boats against our will, bringing us over here and making us bust up the Shifero and breaking up the families and raping and pillaging the women. That's what I think of, lynching and killing. And so these are two very different things. So I want to make that clear so that we know that the Bible is not reinforcing that form of indentured service or that form of slavery. So let me lay that out, right? So the enslavement of Africans happened between the 16th and the 19th century. Those slaves were taken from their country by force and deception. They became the property of the owners. They had no terms for freedom. There was nothing they could do to be free. They were just, once they were brought here, they were property. They were, they were thought of, treated as less than human. They weren't treated as human beings. They were regarded as an animal, if you will. And it was open for abuse, rape, murder, so forth and so on. They had no recourse. There was no law to protect them. A person could do to their slave whatever they wanted. It was like, if you own a car and you go outside, I'm going to kick my hubcap in. There's no law that says you can't do that. That slave had that much. That was essentially what a slave was in that era. So that is not okay. Everything about it is wrong. I'm going to give you real quick for those that are interested. If you're not hanging there, but for those that are interested in understanding why that's wrong, that God even condemns those things. I'm going to give you some verses. I want you to write them down first. Exodus 21 verse 16. Here God teaches that it was uh, people were not to be stolen and sold And actually, it was punishable by death. So if you stole people from their homeland and sold them for gain, that was punishable by death. It says in Exodus 21, 16, he who kidnaps a man and sells him or if he is found in his hand shall surely be put to death. So anyone that would say the Bible's okay with that form of slavery, I would say, no, it's not. No, God said, don't do that. God said that if you take them and sell them, you should die. So that's not okay. Slavery existed, right? And slaves were not to be abused. If someone ended up being a slave, we'll talk about in a minute some of the different ways people became slaves. But if someone became a slave, they weren't to be abused. Exodus 21, 26 to 27, 
says, if a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let them go free for the sake of his tooth. In other words, if you injure your servant, if you injure them, you got to let them go. You don't have a right to just injure or hurt people at will. The Bible spoke against this. The Bible also spoke against if a slave ran away, right? If a slave didn't like where he was at and he ran away free and you caught him, you couldn't take him and turn him back over to where he came from. You had to give him space. You had to give him a place to lodge or give him space to to reestablish himself. You couldn't turn him back over and you could not oppress them. And so in Deuteronomy 23, 15 and 16, you shall not give back to his master, the slave who has escaped from his master to you. He may dwell with you in your midst in the place which he chooses within your gates, where it seems best to him, and you shall not oppress him. This was God's instruction to believers at that time. So now come back to Colossians 4, 22. So when God says, look, bond servants, obey in all things, what is he talking about? Are these slaves? I just want to be clear. This is not that form of slavery. So in the Roman empire, you could become a slave a number of different ways. Don't raise your hands, but if I were to ask here, how many of you guys have debt, right? Just imagine all the hands that would go. Don't raise them in the spirit. I see all the hands up, right? Y'all like, some of y'all got hands, feet, toes, and noses up, right? So in the Roman Empire, if you had debt, they could say, hey, then you got to work off that debt. It's an indentured servant. It's like a slave. You're going to live here where I live, and you're going to work off this debt. Another way you could become a slave, if your parents were in debt, they could take your kids, so some of you parents would be like, for real, <laughs> you, you'd be childless. Some of y'all, you know, so they could take your children and say, look, Timmy and Johnny, they're going to work off the debt that you owe. We're going to keep them until we get it all paid off. And so kids can be taken. You could become a slave in this period because you are a conquered people. And so now you're in a land and you don't have another way to provide for yourself. And so really slavery could be like a job because you had options. You could be homeless or you could go be a, a slave. And so a lot of times when people teach through these passages, as we're going to do today, we liken it to the employer employee relationship, because many of you guys here, apart from your employer, if you couldn't be employed, you would be homeless. Don't raise your hand. But that's it's kind of the same function. If, if I can't get a job, work and make money, I won't be able to eat, feed my family, have nowhere to live. I have to go to work. How many of us go to work because we have to go to work? Something we got to do. All right. That's kind of the way it worked here. Like you had to figure out a way to make it so you could be a conquered people. It could just be that you need a job. And so when the Bible gave instructions for slaves and owners, a lot of times in this culture, a slave, it's not the way that we think of it as far as African slavery. Some people came willingly like, hey, can I can I serve in your household? I hear that your slave. I hear they eat good food. Um, you get fair wages. You take care of folk. It wasn't they weren't out there getting whipped and beaten. They weren't being raped and pillaged. It was like the employer, employee, employer relationship. So let me give you the definition for the word bond servants. In the Greek, it's the Greek word doulos. And the definition is this. It's uh, one who is in a permanent relation of servitude to another. His will altogether consumed in the will of the other. So oftentimes you hear this word doulos in terms of Christians saying that we're a bondservant of Christ. Amen. That's not a negative thing because a bondservant is one who says the master is so good. I'm willfully subjecting myself to serve him. 
So that's why we look at these verses and though it says bond servant, old King James says slave, we would liken this to the employer employee relationship. I am a bond servant of Christ. I don't have to be. I want to be. Jesus has been good to me. Amen. He's a good master. So I, I am glad to serve him. I come under his leadership. Willingly, I do so. And so here it says, hey, bond servants. And again, I would challenge you guys to consider this as your em- employees. If you work for someone. Um, It says, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart. And so I want you to consider how you behave in the workplace, how you do your work, because as Christians, everything is supposed to be different. As Christians, even how you approach your secular work is supposed to be different. Again, I titled the message employed by God. And I want you to consider that even in your secular employment, if you do it right, your secular employment can be something you do for the Lord. It should be something that you do for the Lord. You might be working at Toyota. You might be working at Pepsi Cola Company. You can be wherever it is that you work. If you do it right, you can be there for the glory of God. You can be there. You can be doing what you do. And we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. And so that's what Paul is teaching here. How do you do your work? How do you behave at work? How faithful are you in the work? He says, hey, first of all, we're to obey those that are over us. So question number one for you guys that work somewhere, you got bosses and supervisors, people over you probably don't like them. They probably get on your nerves. But do you obey them? Are you the employee? They said, man, that, that brother right there, man, he's just faithful. He just whatever I ask him to do, he does it. Or are you that other employee? Where they like, where, hey, where is she? Where are you at right now? I haven't seen him in 30 minutes, you know? Um, you know, this your 30-minute lunch is an hour and 30-minute lunch if the boss ain't there, you know? How you get down at work says something about your relationship with the Lord. This might be news for you, and that's that's okay, because uh, you can go to work this week brand new. You can go to work this week, and your boss has got a better, they got a brand new employee, as you understand better how you're supposed to do this thing. So, first of all, You're supposed to be obedient to those that are over you at work, that you're to submit to them. The word obey here means to hear as under, as subordinate, to listen attentively and to heed and to conform to the command or the authority. So I'm supposed to submit to listen to those that are over me, what they ask me to do, what they tell me to do. Now, we all know some bosses are really nice. And they ask you nicely, hey, sir, ma'am, would you mind or could you take care of it? And you know, some bosses, some people are jerks when they get into positions of being a boss. We'll talk about that in a moment. Maybe some of y'all are bosses. We coming for you. Um, But, you know, it doesn't really matter how they ask you or how they come at you. God says, because you belong to me, I want you to do it different. I want you to respond different. I want you to submit to the things that you get asked to do. And so it says, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Then it says this, not with eye service, right? So not not just when they're looking. Now, how many of you guys that work in the secular realm would say when the boss is there, people work harder? How many guys, you guys see that? The boss shows up and they're, they're there intently. Everybody, everybody stays at the workstation. You know, it's like, wow, they're, they're productive as they've ever been. Most productive day of the month. And then if you got a day where there's no one watching or people know that the boss went out of town, 
It's like a party in the office. Lunchtime, y'all, people start making lunch dates. Hey, y'all want to all go? We can all go, you know? You'd be the drink at lunch and all kind of stuff. I've seen it all. So I used to work at a job, and if the supervisor wasn't there, there was a group of guys. I was not part of it. I was saved, so y'all don't judge me. But there was a group of guys that if the boss was, if they knew he wasn't going to be there after lunch, they would go smoke out. They would come back smelling like they had been with Bob Marley himself. They would walk back in like, I mean, they smelled like three joints walking back in the business. But it was a warehouse, so it didn't matter, you know. You know, don't serve with eye service, not just when you're being watched. Because in reality, if, if God is your boss, ain't he always watching? And so that's why as believers, it should just be different, right? Even though my boss in the flesh is not here, my boss in the spirit is always here. And so I want to serve as unto the Lord. We'll see more of that as we keep going. So Paul says, don't do it with eye service as men pleasers, right? The first job I got when I was a, a new believer, and I, I look back on it, how bad I messed up, but I was, I was a new believer, so I give myself some slack. You know, the guy that led me to Christ, I got saved. I, I stopped selling my weed and doing my credit card scams. And I said, man, I need to get a job because I, I had not worked in the regular world at that point. I had a couple little things here and there, but I hadn't I didn't have to work. But now I got saved and I'm like, man, I got to get a job, a regular job. So my buddy got me a job at the warehouse and it sucked. <laughs> it didn't pay very much. You worked real hard, you know, but it was it was a job. It was honest. And I did it. But I played around a lot. I, I'm a goof off. I'm a prankster. That's just my natural. That's who I am. And so I'm in a warehouse with a bunch of guys and we're goofing off and playing and I made work fun. I'm going to make I'm going to work, but I'm going to have fun while I work. So here was the deal. Every day at the after lunch, there was one bathroom in the warehouse. And you imagine a bunch of guys just filled up the tank with food and it's one little bitty bathroom. And whoever's in first, you know, is going to destroy it for everybody else. So it was always this thing of like who could get there first. So. Lunch had ended. I'm like trying to make my way and I see another guy's going to, you know, try to he try to race me for it. So we race to the bathroom where well, there's carts in the warehouse. So I throw a cart his way to trip him up. He trips over the cart. It comes back my way. I trip. We both fall out flat on our backs. And guess who walks in the door at that second? Supervisor walked. He he walked in right at that moment. I'm laying on my back, looking up like, oh man, we are. I it, you know. And then we're still laughing. I'm trying to not laugh, but he's laughing, making me laugh right in front of the supervisor. Thank God he was merciful. He brought us in to have a talk, but he didn't fire me from the job or whatever. But I was so intent when I left that job. I did a lot wrong at that job. That was one of many things that I did that I look back and think I wasn't being a good Christian at that job. You know, I bagged on people. I made people mad, you know, you name it. So when I left that job and I got my next job, I was like, okay, here's a new job. I got a brand new chance to come in here. I'm going to be a good witness. God's my witness. At the next job, with God's help, it was it was totally different because I went to work saying, I want to be a good witness. That was, I was in my mindset when I got that job. That job, I was like, I'm not selling drugs. Yay, God. You know, I work at the warehouse. The next job, I said, I want to be a witness for the Lord. And God helped me to do that. God blessed me to be able to be there the whole time. No debacles. I didn't bag on nobody. You know, I didn't fall down in front of supervisors or whatever. And so not with eye service, not just when someone's watching. Then Paul says this, not as men pleasers. 
Some people, their focus in this life is, I want to please people. I want people to be pleased with me. I want people to say, yay, you did a good job. Where God says, I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to be a man pleaser. I want you to please who? God. Here's the thing. If you're an employee and you do what you're supposed to do as unto the Lord, I'm pretty sure your boss will be happy with you. But God said, but don't do it for people. Do it for me. If you're a note taker, write this down. Now write down John 12, 42 and 43. We fall into the trap of doing things to please men and not for God. We can miss the more important things. In John 12, 42 and 43, it says, Jesus said, nevertheless, among the rulers, many have believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of man more than the praise of God. So there are people here that were like, man, we believe in Jesus, but we care so much about what people think. We're not going to acknowledge it. And God says, that's, that's a bad trap to fall into, where you begin to revere the opinion of man above the opinion of God. As believers, we live for God and we let man deal with whatever that is. Amen. So if you live for the Lord, sometimes as we live for the Lord, we're going to do things that the, the non-believing world's like, I don't agree with you. And they got to deal with that because I'm, I'm just trying to please God. I can't please everybody, but I can please the Lord. So we want to be mindful of that in the workplace, that we're not serving with eye service. We're not just men pleasers, just doing what people want to see in their face. Then it says this, but in sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, that God wants us to do what we do for him with sincere hearts. That we do our work out of a place of sincerity that God, this is this is my service unto you. I'm grateful for my job. I'm blown away at if you catch somebody when they're looking for a job. There's a humility and a desire. And I've, I've prayed with people. They're like, oh, pray for me. Man. I got this interview. I'm hoping I get this job. And, and then they get the job that they were praying for and talk to them in three, six months. And you just talk to them. They just, they're complaining. Oh, it's a stupid job. The boss is getting on my nerve. The people job. I got to drive in traffic. I said, bro, that's the same job you was asking God to bless you with six months ago. You complain about your blessing. You, you need to be saying thank you. You get a paycheck, do you? You know, so we got to be careful about that, that he says, look, with sincerity of heart, fear in the Lord. There's a reverence and a fear for the Lord that dictates what we will and won't do, how we behave. It'll even dictate if you got a bad boss that wants you to do something crooked. If you fear the Lord, it's like, no, nah, I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to obey as much as I can within whatever limitations may be there. I had one job working with probation kids and I was so grieved when I worked at this place because I would watch these kids. It, it, this, this particular place was all girls, ages 12 through 17. When they turned 18, they would emancipate them and put them, you know, they would just basically release them. And I saw that the county and everybody else was making money off of these kids, but they weren't necessarily meeting their needs. And so you're looking at girls that have been, they've been through the system. They didn't have parents. They've been on drugs. Some of them have been prostitutes. Some of them parents have put them out there like that. You name it, all of that's been happening. And then they come live in this placement. They go to school here. They go to therapy here. Some of what these kids have been through, ain't no therapy for that. They need Jesus. They need God. And so I started looking at the rules and it was myself, another brother named Dion was a Christian there. And there was nothing in the rules that said that you could not, you know, speak about God, but you, you couldn't instigate it. So the rules said you cannot proselytize the kids. And I'm like, OK, well, because everybody come from juvenile hall with a Bible. Ain't that amazing? You go to jail, get a Bible, go to juvenile hall. You come back with a Bible. So I said this. I said, look, every night the lights out time is this. 
the time to go to your rooms is, is whatever time it was, nine o'clock, whatever. I said, but if you have read your Bibles and have Bible questions, me and Dion will answer Bible questions in the evenings. And so, you know, as kids would normally do in order to extend bedtime, they would go read their Bible and come up with some questions. And so we would stand in the hallway and answer Bible questions. And so I got called in and they were like, hey, I heard you guys are preaching to the kids. I said, nope. Answering Bible questions, which is within the rules. I read the rules before I even did it, you know, and I had one supervisor was like, hey, I'd appreciate if you didn't do that. So I want you guys to think this through with me. So he'd appreciate if I didn't do it. But legally, right, I can't really be fired for doing it because the rules don't say I can't do it. Falls within the realm of the rules. And I'm convinced that if I can't preach Jesus to these kids, I don't even want to work here no more because I'm just watching the system use them. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As the Apostle Paul urged the members of the Colossian Church to remember fully that they were saved by the blood of Jesus and that their lives should reflect that. The same goes for you and me. If we have said that we believe in Jesus and what He did for us, then there is a practical side to living out our faith. We have the opportunity to set an example through our obedience to Him. In other words, are you letting God lead you every day? Are you giving up control on how your life should be in your home? in your workplace, in the world. Friends, through this yielding, there will spring a deeper desire for more of Jesus. And our prayer is that your relationship with Him will grow every day. Care to know how? You'll find all the information you need on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Just click on the Know Jesus tab. Here it is again, calvaryinglewood.org. For more personal contact, feel free to call or text us at 310-245-4811. We would love to encourage you more in your daily walk with Jesus. So please, pick up that phone and dial 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, out of Inglewood, California. This concludes the time we have for today, but we're so grateful you took the time to listen to this issue with Pastor Bill. We'll be back again to share with you more on A Transforming Word.